0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned, as together we'll study God's word. All the way to Alcatraz on my right in the middle uh, with the Marin headlands in a backdrop and the Golden Gate Bridge rising up. It was truly breathtaking. It's truly breathtaking. Once I sat down in front of Donna. I noticed that Donna's breath seemed to be one of the few things that had not been taken from her. Her motionlessness at first was not obvious for the vibrance in her face and voice captured my attention as she sat upright in a chair next to her bed. It wasn't until she asked her dedicated 30-year-old son who was in the room, Nick, to put a shawl on her and he asked her, and she asked him to move her right arm up on a pillow, that I truly noticed her debilitated state. Suffering from a degenerative muscle disease, her arms and legs, hands, and feet had become motionless over the course of the last few years. As her vibrance continued to pour out during our conversations, I thought to myself, she must be able to move. She must. Yet, As the sunlight faded in that room, as the early March afternoon played out, her body remained still. But the spirit in her and that was pouring out of her became more and more alive. She shared with me how her gratitude had grown as her motionlessness had gotten worse. She shared with me stories of uh, relationships restored. She shared with me how she had this heavenly hope of being free of her immobility. Believe it or not, her current hospital stay had revealed another type of movement from within her, which happened to be cancer. She'd gone in because as her body was shutting down from this disease, she was no longer able to be fed through her mouth. And so they were putting in a feeding tube. And when they took the x-rays for the feeding tube and the MRI, just to double check some things, they noticed a huge mass on her esophagus that was cancerous. But even that didn't seem to be capable of debilitating her spirit. And after the laughter and the tears and the reminiscing and the prayers ended, I stood up and I asked Donna if she needed anything. And she nonchalantly said to me, do you think I could have my memorial at PCC? Without hesitation, I looked back into her blue eyes and I said, it would be uh, our pleasure. As I rode down the elevator, I began to think how Donna was doing with the concept of remaining connected to God during this major crisis. She was doing so well. And meanwhile, her body was doing so miserably. As I got in my car and I drove back from UCSF, I began to ponder what I was like in remaining connected to God, and it made me ponder this question, and I want to share it with you as we start today. Is it harder for you to remain connected to God during major crisis or during the mundane? Which is harder for you? Choose one quick. Go with your first thought. For me, it's major crisis. Give me a major crisis. And I love almost what I feel like God wants to show, teach, and reveal to me. Give me the mundane. And I either get caught up in my own selfish desires endlessly or some fantasy that I'm chasing that the world has for me. Anybody relate to that? Ugh, it's hard, isn't it? But for some of you, you are better in the mundane. And then, when the crisis hits, it's just too overwhelming, and you feel like God has forgotten you, and it seems like you can't even connect with Him. But for others, it's the opposite. And our text today leads us into this concept of how remaining in God provides this increase if we'll only let Him do it. So, open up, chapter 15 in the book of John, verses 1 through 11. Let's read it through. And if you're in the Pew Bible, it's 1081 in the Pew Bible. And as we read this through, chapter 15, book of John, 1081 in the Pew Bible, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. As we read this through, what is God saying to you about this concept of Remaining. What is it about this text that just comes alive to you, that sticks to your soul, that he wants you to walk out with today? The text reads as follows. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It's a parable, but it's very understandable. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that... As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Take a moment. What word, phrase, idea is rising up to you? What questions do you have? What observations? What conclusions? And let's just call them out. So if you look at the next question on the screen, what are some observations you're realizing when we read that through together? What are some conclusions that are coming to mind? What are possible questions? Somebody call something out. There's something about pruning that bears more fruit, and it's really good for us. We're going to talk about that more. Somebody else. Pruning could be painful. It could be painful, you're right. It could be painful. What about that? I look devote yourself to dedicate to Yeah, so there's something about devoting yourself to him and then there's this desirable outcome. Yep. Who else? Yes, 11 times in 11 verses, it says remain. I love the duh factor. Like, duh. It's about remaining. It's about remaining. And God says it that clearly over and over again, almost begging us to just remain in me. Just remain in me. Would you just remain? And you'll experience an increase. Anybody else? Question that comes to mind. This, this is to my father's glory. Yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, so it raises the question, wait, this whole thing is for who? It's for God's glory. The big other question that comes up is verse 3. What's that whole thing about you've already been clean? The word for clean there is the same word for pruned. So what he's saying, disciples, you've hung out with me, you've hung out with me, you've hung out with me. And he often will use the word clean when he talks about the word, may the word clean you. Uh, sanctify you. The same word is also pruned. So the disciples are at this place in their relationship with Christ that they've been pruned. They're ready to do what? Bear fruit. But they're about to go through a major crisis. When I look at this passage, it begs the question, why remain in Christ? But when you just walk through, you'll see this. Our big idea is the following today that if we're willing to decrease and do endless remaining in the Lord, there's this promise of these increases. So decrease results in increase. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever experienced that where you decrease yourself and all of a sudden you see this increase? My wife doesn't even know this, but I've been trying to do this at our dinner table where I'm trying to decrease the use of the word I, meaning me, Okay, Because what I start to realize is I'm one of the extroverts in our family and it's too easy, it can be about me. Okay, And the reality is we're in this process of launching these kids every three years and we've already launched one and we're about to launch another. And so our table start, is starting to dwindle and it's gonna dwindle again this fall. And I want it to be more about them than me. And so I've been trying to use less I statements or talk about myself, as opposed to, hey, talk about you, and hey, what's going on with you, and let us talk about this. And what I see sometimes is the fruit of that. Now, a lot of times is, Dad, can we be dismissed and go outside and play right now? Or, Dad, I got homework, and I can't stick around the table. But these the other times where there's this fruit that comes in my decreasing. That's what God's wanting with us. Less of us, more of him. But look at, there's all these promises of what the increase will be. Look at the next screen and you'll see it. Look at all these things that are promised in each verse throughout. I even missed one. There's one more in verses eight and nine. And let's start with the first. One of the promises is this. You will be connected to the fullness of the Trinity and be cared for. When it talks about the lines one through four, I am the true vine. That's Jesus. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch. We are the branches in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. Now, when we hear pruning, we think ow, right? But when, I wa- when you hear pruning, I want you to change your view of that and think this, care and nurture. I want you to think of toenails on a five-year-old. <laughs> That's pruning, These toenails are way too fruitful right now. They need some pruning. Come here, five-year-old. I don't get called for that task. My wife does because of the way that she connects and cares in that moment. That's what it's like with Christ and with God when he wants us to partner with him. He's not looking to prune to hurt us. He's looking to prune to actually care for us, take away something that might cause more pain or put us in a situation, enable us to have a perspective and attitude so that we'll increase in that scenario? Many of us look at that pruning as negative when it's exactly what he, we need at the time. May it hurt a little? Yes. Is it for our benefit and for the increase in ourselves and the world? Yes, in those around us. Look at verses four and five. Another promise of remaining is you will bear fruit beyond your ability. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Look back at 4 and 5. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Think of trying to bear the fruit of forgiveness. I'm not capable of that on my own. I am not capable of that on my own. But when I remain in connection with the Lord, there's something that the Spirit does in me that changes my heart over time, enables that. Think of the concept of shame. When you screw up and you've done something wrong and you can't forgive yourself, that's called self-acceptance. The fruit of self-acceptance can only be bared through an understanding of a loving God who truly, truly connects with us when we remain. Think of self-control, the ability to not go there or not go there or to consume that or to say that. Oh, Lord, I've learned long and hard enough that unless I remain, I'm all over the place. And it's way too about me. But when we remain and I breathe in, Lord, may you become greater and I become less. There's potential. There's potential for his good work. David had the same concept. This is an old concept in the New Testament because write down Psalm 16, if you flip on the back of your message notes, there's a Beyond Sunday that even has the the, uh, reference on it. David had the same concept. Psalm 16 is about David's idea about remaining in Christ and all the goodness that comes from remaining. And at one point he says this, apart from you, God, I have no good thing. Think of your motives in a setting that you're in. And when your motives in the end are so about you, so about you, how do you get them not about you? I think it only comes through actually remaining so that he can sift you and be like, this doesn't have to be about you. This doesn't have to be about you. Trust me. Another one is not to waste your life. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Isn't it amazing the tyranny of what we'll do sometimes to try to make something happen, try to make something happen. It just there's, it seems like there's no fruit that can come of it. God doesn't want us to waste our time down those roads. He wants us to waste our time with him in remaining in fruitfulness. How about seven? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. I get motivated by this one. This is like, oh, if I remain, genie in the bottle, here we go. I get what I want. I don't think it plays out like that. This reminds me of Donna. You know, Donna divorced for 20-plus years from her husband. There had been a lot of prayer about that relationship. I knew about that breakdown of that relationship in the early 2000s. And when she told me in that hospital room that was like a slice of heaven sitting there talking to an angel was connected to the Lord, that her husband, a couple years ago, contacted her and said, how about I come back and care for you? How about I feed, bathe? How about I move in, not because I need a place to live, but because you need care? And how about I do that? I said, he did that? She said, he's doing that. And I watched her son, who sat across the way, who's now 30, who's experiencing all that, and he just smiled. (laughs) Answered prayer. How about the fact that as I was also leaving, she said, hey, will you pray? For what? Well, I got cancer now, and I got to go into treatment, and I live two and a half miles away, but look at me. I'm not very mobile. And she said, we can laugh because that was hilarious when she said that. And I said, yes. And she said, I don't know how every day I'm going to get from my house to here if I have to go back. I've asked if I could stay, but we're in an insurance battle. Would you pray that would happen? It doesn't seem possible. Good news is that was granted last week. She never left the hospital. She's been there. She'll stay till her treatment's over. God will show you things when you remain that you didn't believe will happen because here's what will happen. Your heart might change and release you of what you've been begging him for. Or he'll bring forth what you've been begging him for. Remaining is powerful. It seems that the power to change us and actually to change the circumstances out there in a way that I can only describe as mysterious. How about verse 11? Verse 11. And I've told you this so that my joy, Jesus' joy, will be in you. I'm going to get the joy of Jesus in me if I remain. That's a bit motivating for me. And then my joy will be complete. I'll be fully satisfied. I watched as the tears came down her face, and she described her situation of her gratitude. And I thought, she is satisfied in her worst moment. This is, can't be true. As much as I couldn't believe she couldn't move, I started to believe she's faking this, and she's over-spiritualizing all this. And Donna, come on! You're motionless. Now those tears were real, full of joy and some sorrow. Two days later, I visited her on a Thursday. It was now um, Saturday morning. I woke up, and I was thinking of her, and I decided to experiment with my joy. And I laid motionless in bed. I could only move my head, I told myself. I couldn't, just told myself I wouldn't move my feet or hands. And I laid there. And as I laid there, I got really hot, laying in bed because our flannel sheets were on, and the down comfort was over me. And I, I don't know. I got kind of uncomfortable and kind of stressed and started to think, well, how would I reach my phone? And I can only move my head. And how would I get my wife's attention besides yelling? And I got up in a panic. I had no joy in that moment. I didn't even want to think about being in that moment again. There was a moment right there where it kind of brings a little terror inside me again. I don't want that. I watched a woman have joy. Nick, can you put my right arm back on the pillow? Honey, can you just shift my left arm? Oh, golly. But her joy... Seemed complete. What motivates you most about remaining? Of those six reasons, would you pick one right now? It's our next question. I won't even show you the question. I'll just ask you the question. Which one might motivate you the most? And would you pick it right now so that you walk from here a bit more motivated because you believe one of those promises of increase when you decrease is possible? Pick one real quick. You got it? We need it. Because when it gets mundane or crazy, we got to come back to a motivation, a key motivation. What does it actually mean to remain in Christ? It actually means to get deliberate, about his focusing on him. Look at this. It actually means deliberately decreasing in order to be in relationship with him so that you bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And it results in an increase, just not for you, but for others. I actually skipped one of the reasons I just realized now. I skipped one of the reasons, which was about bringing him glory. In verse eight, it says this, this is my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. What we don't realize often is this, and we often forget or have never been told, the purpose of our lives is actually what it says in verse 8, to bring him glory and reflect his image to the world. Problem was, I wasn't told that in first through 12th grade. No one's told me that in college. My parents were really good people, but that wasn't on their radar. And when I begin to hear that that is one of the whole reasons I'm on earth and actually the core reason to bring him glory and not myself and to actually reflect him, in order to do that, oh, my goodness, is that a battle or what? That's like a serious, like, that's a daily battle unto itself to try to pull that off. But with the Spirit, it's possible. And in the end, to remain is to sign up and say, I'm going to try that. I'm gonna play the game of remaining and get deliberate because it's better if the kingdom of heaven is brought through me and God gets the glory and there'll be this increase around me if I do it, not just to myself, but to others. That's the game. And the question is, would you be willing to play it? In many ways, the game looks a lot like this if you look at the visual. The next slide. The reality of the, of the game is can I stay in this zone of remaining, this God zone? Because in that zone, we've just been told of what the blessings are from it and what it really brings is the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's incredible if you think about it. If we stay remaining, we are like a direct channel that is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth in whatever context we're in. I walked into a heavenly room that Donna happened to be hosting. Now, yesterday I was at a soccer game, and let me explain how difficult this is. I was at a soccer game, and there were these moments throughout the game that I was either caught up too much in myself, and I wasn't remaining or talking to God at all, or I was caught up in the world. And what's so crazy, I mean, this soccer game, you would have thought it's the Super Bowl of soccer. I mean, these kids are 11 years old, and this matters. And people are going crazy. Crazy. Because this is what happens on Saturdays, and that's the world. That's the world, how they play in that. And then there's me, who's caught up in that for moments, and, and then I'm over here going, why isn't my son playing more? <laughs> I'm in my self-zone now. And, you know, he should be playing offense more than just defense, Because for his future and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm just lost. But then I have these moments where I'm like, that's crazy. Get over yourself. You can't control what the coach is going to do. You've tried that for years, okay?" (laughs) And you know how this ends. There's going to be these parents high and low and, oh, jeez, okay. And then so then I have these moments where I'm like, huh, I think I'll just see if I can talk to Robert during the game. Because they're 11. They want snack and so do I. <laughs> and who cares if this is club soccer? Huh. wonder if they have more kids. wonder what's going on in their life. And no one will talk to me. <laughs> I'm trying to play Remain. But here's what I was. God would give me a moment where this is so silly. And he'd help me put it in the right perspective. But in my humanity... I would typically run more of the self box about my son. So is the game of remain, right? That's the challenge. But it's possible. It's so possible. And when the zone opens up and blow up that zone now, this is what it ushers in. This is the kingdom of heaven. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All those things, grace, hope, forgiveness, truth. This is beautiful, And it ushers in all of our values that we're about, living the word of God, following the Holy Spirit, healthy relationships, being generous. It ushers all this in at its best. But it's hard, and we have to be deliberate. And as we go today, I want to give you some practicals so you don't just feel like, oh, go try play Remain. It's impossible. So here they are. How do you actually remain? Let's do this in less than five minutes. How do you actually remain? It starts with belief. And if you don't believe these two things, you'll never even want to play the game. Because what we're really trying to do is just try to have this extended phone conversation with God that never cuts off. We're just trying to see how long we can do it. When I left that soccer game yesterday, I was by myself and I was headed to Costco, but I was going to Revit City, Costco, so it was a half hour away, and I was trying to play Remain in my car. And it was amazing. I could get the conversation going, and I was pondering the clouds, and I was thanking God for the silliness of the game and for the people we talked to afterwards. And then it would close, and I'd be back on myself and thinking about something. Or I would be thinking about the world and something else. And I just wanted to check my app, because I'm winning my pool of my family when it comes to March Madness. And I love being number one on my pool, especially when I'm beating my Uncle Claude. And so, and so do, you, do you see? Now I'm over myself, so I was caught up in myself. But then I would f- come back, and when I got to Costco, I never really remained at Costco. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. I, got, I was into the Puma shoes section. And I was obsessed with 10.5 or 10, which one should I buy, and it's just, I couldn't remain. But I got back in the car, and I turned on some music, and I was remaining again. Do you get it? There's times I'm ushering it in, and I got home. I didn't do very good last night. I was stressed about today, and there was too much chaos in my home. My son, I thought, was sleeping over, and he shows up, and I'm trying to get quiet and just ponder my thoughts, and he's in my space, and it just wasn't working. (laughs) Can anyone relate to this? Remaining's hard, but even trying's worth it. But if you don't believe his love, and you don't think that he has the best plans for you, here's what you'll think remaining's like. It's like trying to please your mom and dad. Do something for your mom and dad that have been on your case for years and you don't feel like you're accepted by them and they always have this agenda for you to try and change your life. That's what remaining feels like if you don't understand the love of the Father. And then it's his attitude. I'll wake up. I want to encourage you. Would you make the first moment when you open your eyes something you offer to God? Like, it could be as simple as a prayer. Good morning, Lord. It could be really complicated and you memorize something extensive and you just rattle that off to them. It could be, God, lead me as I step out of bed. To make your first moment remaining and then where do you go from there? Because it takes this attitude that I'm willing to play today, God, and I will remain for all these reasons, from the micro ones that benefit me to the macro ones that bring you the glory. And to know that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us And look at the effort it might take throughout the day. It really gives new definition to the term spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline just is re-remaining after we get lost. So you start off your day, you begin to talk with him. You might start with maybe some devotional material that we give out or you have. And then how do you handle yourself throughout the day so you come back? Maybe it's the breath prayer. Maybe it's the breath prayer we've talked about. God, may you become greater. And I become less. As you walk into your office, your classroom, you're going to the grocery store. God, what do you want to show me here? You're trying to keep the dialogue open, the dialogue not disconnected. That's, that's remaining. For some, like, on a, you use words and phrase to keep you there. Like, I have this little phrase I use often, which I'll try to incorporate into my day, and sometimes I'm good and sometimes I'm bad. It's, it's with you and for you, God. May I do this with you and for you. I know people that use uh, verses. I know others that use a color, like the color red reminds them. All right, I'm back with you, God. I just saw red. What will it be that you will choose to remind you to remain, to help start your day remaining? And how will you end when your feet end up like every one of us, unless you jump into your bed somehow and you don't ever end up kind of sitting on the side of your bed. But when your feet get on that bed and they're up, and can you have a final moment of remaining? God, thanks for my life. And for my ability to move. Good night, Lord. It's a glorious and wonderful game. And we need others to help us do it. Will you pick now? It's our fourth and final question and we're done. How will you choose to remain more? And what will happen if you don't? I want to give you 30 seconds of part of that. Pick one way you'll try to remain. My friend's sitting out in the audience, and I know he has an attitude of remaining because he taught me this line. I will often see him ask him, Hey, what are you up to? And this is what he says just trying to be third. First time I heard that, I was like, That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Then he explained it to me just trying to put God and others first. I'm just trying, just trying to be third. That's his attitude of remaining. That's helped me in my life. What's yours? Will you pick it? Because imagine if you don't, you just live here or you live here. God, we thank you right now. And as we actually take our offering, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. If you want to write a prayer about this, that we pray for you about remaining, put that in the... uh, put that in the plates as they go by. And as we take our offering today, Lord, we stop and offer ourselves to you. May this last song be an offering. <sighs> May our prayer request be an offering as our ushers come forward. May, Lord, the money we give be an offering. Lord, thanks for your deep, deep love. We ask, God, you would help us to be people who trust your love Believe in your plans for us. And in the end, God, uh, choose to remain more and more by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at weRPCC. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.